No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that in his reply to his friend Bildad, Job questions God. Why do you contend with me? Why do you create me only to destroy me? We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 10 on Simply the Bible. Raw and real. That is how I would describe the words of Job as he searches for the reasons for his suffering. His friends offered him no comfort, only accusations that there must be some grievous sin in his life. But Job knew that his life had been blameless before God. He had feared God and shunned evil. Still, Job felt the arrows of the Almighty, and there was no relief. Job had many questions for God. Sometimes we have more questions than answers. That's okay, provided they are honest questions. Job would ask God many questions, but later God would be the one to ask Job many questions. We continue in Job chapter 10. My soul loathes my life. It's always tragic when a person comes to that place of despondency that he despairs of life itself. Things were so miserable for Job that he loathed his life. The Apostle Paul came to such a place of life despair. 2 Corinthians 1.8, he wrote, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. It is possible, even for believers, to come to that dark place of hopelessness and despair. Now Job said, I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. Have you ever given free reign to your complaint? Have you ever spoken in the bitterness of your soul? We have all done this on occasion. Sometimes we say things we later regret, but it's the pain within us that's talking. Job directed his words to God. Do not condemn me for speaking my mind. Show me why you contend with me. As we have already pointed out, the bitterest pill for Job was the thought that the one in whom he had trusted had become his enemy. Job wanted to know, why are you contending with me, God? This desire leads Job to fire many questions at God. Does it seem good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands and smile on the counsel of the wicked? One thing, when you give free reign to your complaint, you don't always see things accurately. Did God really despise the work of his hands? No, God loved Job. In fact, he was boasting to Satan about Job. Does God smile on the counsel of the wicked? No, he hates it. It's deceitful counsel. But when you are suffering as Job was, it's tempting to look at the wicked and surmise that they have no problems. Everything's going great for them. Do you have eyes of flesh or do you see as man sees? Are your days like the days of a mortal man? Are your years like the days of a mighty man that you should seek for my iniquity and search out my sin? Although you know that I am not wicked, 
and there is no one who can deliver from your hand. Job didn't understand why, if God knew everything, that he had to search out his iniquity. Didn't God already know this? And if he knows everything, then why does he test us? Job was confident in his righteousness, but even his righteousness hadn't saved him. He said, you know that I am not wicked, but no one can rescue me from your hand. Your hands have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity, yet you would destroy me. Remember, I pray that you have made me like clay, and will you turn me into dust again? Job knew that he wasn't superhuman. He had his limits. Indeed, Job had exceeded those limits. He wants God to remember that he was made of clay from the dust of the earth. I think it is important for us all to remember that we are made of dust. Often we are frustrated with ourselves. We should be more righteous than we are. We should be able to do more than we do. We may even condemn ourselves for our failures. But is God surprised? David writes in Psalm 103, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You wouldn't condemn your two-year-old because he must take an afternoon nap. You know his little body can only go so long without rest. You don't expect him to have the same stamina that you have. Well, God pities us in the same way. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are made from the dust of the earth. Not only do we have feet of clay, but our whole bodies are made of clay as well. In February, I turned 60. The best part is that now I can go to Costco with the special seniors shopping hours. But the truth is that I don't have the stamina I used to have. My wife laughs at me because I'm ready for bed at 9.30. Now, I get up much earlier than her, mind you. But I realize that I'm not Superman and neither are you. And you ladies aren't Wonder Woman. Man, places high expectations on his fellow man and on himself. But God remembers that we are dust. Now, even though we are made from dust, what a marvelous piece of engineering that we are. Job says that God fashioned him as an intricate unity. What a great description of how all the members of the body work together in a coordinated unity to sustain life, to fight infection, to heal wounds and to reproduce. Job tells God, you made me such an intricate unity, so why would you now destroy me? But of course, it was never God's intention to destroy Job. He prevented Satan from destroying him. But it was God's intention to prove Job, to show everyone the stuff that Job was made of. Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews. You know, each act of conception is an amazing miracle. An ovum, fertilized by a single sperm, reproduces, forming many cells, and as the cell division continues, specialized cells are formed. These clump together in organs, like milk curdles into cheese. Some form into bones, others into skin, others into sinews and muscle tissue. But behind it all is the wonderful engineering of God. We can understand why pagan cultures worship fertility. 
It truly is an amazing process that through the love of a man and woman, such a marvelous creation comes into being that has elements of both mother and father. Now, we are not idolaters. We worship the creator and not the creation. But truly, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, and each childbirth reminds us of this marvelous truth. You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. Job knew that his life didn't come from the cosmos. It didn't come from the amoeba or the ape. God, the author of life, granted life to Job, and he blessed Job with favor. Moreover, for Job's entire life, it was the care of God that had preserved his spirit. It's good to be reminded of this. God cares for and preserves our spirit. Our spirit is that eternal part of us that has fellowship with God. Now, if you know Christ, it is because God has cared for and preserved your spirit for all eternity. Of course, he also cares for our physical bodies. That is why Peter encourages us by saying, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Jesus tells us not to worry about what we will eat, for just as God feeds the birds, he will feed you. He cares for you. Verse 13, And these things you have hidden in your heart. I know that this was with you. If I sin, then you mark me and will not acquit me of my iniquity. If I am wicked, woe to me. Even if I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head. I am full of disgrace. See my misery. If my head is exalted, you hunt me like a fierce lion. And again, you show yourself awesome against me. Job says to God, you knew this all along, didn't you? It was hidden in your heart how you would treat me. If in seeking to be righteous, I sin, then you mark my iniquity and you won't forgive me. Therefore, I can't lift up my head for I'm full of disgrace. And if I were to lift up my head, then you would hunt me down like a lion stalking its prey. Now, Job, speaking in the bitterness of his soul, is uttering things that aren't true about God. God is forgiving. He wasn't seeking to hunt Job down to destroy him. Later, God will question Job. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And this is the problem when we give free reign to our complaint. We say things that aren't true and we later regret. You renew your witness against me and increase your indignation toward me. Changes and war are ever with me. Why then have you brought me out of the womb? Oh, that I had perished and no eye had seen me. I would have been as though I had not been. I would have been carried from the womb to the grave. Job returns to this same agony that he expressed in chapter 3. Why didn't I die at birth? For then I would be at rest. Are not my days few? Cease, leave me alone, that I may take a little comfort. Finally, Job just tells God, leave me alone. You see, he is blaming God for all his agony. There are many people today who are saying to God, leave me alone. Now, if they're not actually saying the words, they're saying it through their actions. They don't want to include God in their plans. They don't seek his will. They don't care about his commandments that he gave so that we can live a good long life. 
They say, leave me alone. And God will ultimately give them what they want, for they will be left alone in outer darkness for eternity, completely removed from the love, the light, and the life that are the very nature of God. Verse 21, before I go to the place from which I shall return to the land of darkness in the shadow of death, a land as dark as darkness itself, as the shadow of death without any order where even the light is like darkness. Job couldn't imagine that there was any consciousness after death, but once again he was speaking of things of which he had no knowledge. Yes, to be sure, Job was in a miserable place. We can understand why he would cry out to God in the bitterness of his soul. We can understand why he would despair of life like the Apostle Paul. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Likewise, God was letting Job pass through this dreadful darkness so that he would ultimately trust in God who raises the dead. God would still rescue Job just as he rescues everyone who trusts in him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Job's third friend Zophar tells him to put away his iniquity. But what does he really know about Job? This is a good lesson in what not to say to the one who suffers. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.